Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience and this episode uh, I'm going to be doing a review of the newest episode of The Mandalorian uh, which is the seventh episode of the second season Uh, it's chapter 15 and it's called The Believer Um, and it was uh, written and directed by uh, Rick uh, Famuyiwa and um, I thought it was a great episode. Uh, it's, uh, it's a divergence away from um, the mission uh, to find uh, Grogu, uh, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. Um, and also, uh, of note, this is the first episode of the series uh, um, that doesn't feature uh, Grogu, um, Baby Yoda. He doesn't uh, appear in any scene at all um, and uh, you can definitely feel um, um, the loss uh, of not having his presence um, in the uh, in the episode and um, you can definitely feel that Dinjarin the Mandalorian is missing him also and it's also um, something that is mentioned by one of the the characters of the episode um yeah when they say that uh Dinjarin is uh willing to do things now uh because he's desperate um he he's doing things now that he wouldn't have envisioned that he would do um but now that he's desperate and he really wants to find the child um uh, Baby Yoda, Grogu, um, he's willing to do do things, and he does things in this episode that he hasn't done um, at any other point uh, in the series. Well, he has done it, but in um, different circumstance, um, and uh, yeah, he he, you can you can definitely tell that Din Djarin is missing um, Grogu just as we the viewer miss Grogu because when uh, you have a character that is in pretty much um, every scene of an episode of a series and then they're, they're missing you definitely you definitely feel that um, so uh, yeah um, but even though there isn't any um, Grogu in this episode, what we do have is a a real uh, feast for the senses. Um, we get uh, to see um, the reintroduction of an old uh, foe, um, or who becomes a uh, not really an old foe, but someone who Mando uh, had a run in with um, in the previous season of the Mandalorian. 
um, and I'm talking about the character of uh, Miggs uh, Mayfield, uh, who um, appeared uh, last season, and he was a part of a, a group that uh, Mando was a part of, uh, who were uh, tasked to break out um, uh, someone from jail. Um, but when we fee- when we find uh, Miggs Mayfield um, now, he's a prisoner. Uh, working at the Carthen uh, Chop Fields, um, which um, is basically a junkyard. Uh, he's a he's a prisoner there uh, who is dissembling um, starships, and uh, there are also Imperial starfighters there. Um, and uh, we get introduced to. Uh, um, a new Republic uh, security droid, which looks very much like the security droid that uh, we saw on the prison ship that uh, Mayfield helped uh, get aboard with Mando and some other members of a team to break out um, uh, another prisoner. But now Mayfield is the prisoner. Um, and this new Republic security droid uh, is the one who walks up to Mayfield um who uh is now designated as inmate 34667 uh at the point when he's working on dismantling a tie fighter um and the droid tells him uh that uh he's ordered to um uh descend from uh where he's working and to receive new instructions and to salute uh, a marshal of the New Republic, uh, who is uh, Cara Dune, who's arrived to um, remand uh, Mayfield and take him into her custody. Um, and when Mayfield asks what's going on, um, Cara uh, removes uh, his uh, shackles and tells him that she has a job for him. Um, uh, Mayfield uh, at first um, complies um, uh, with the security droid, especially after the security droid threatens him with a stun baton if he doesn't uh, go with Kara. Um, but he's definitely skeptical. He doesn't trust that uh, Kara um, uh, has his best interests at heart. But uh, after she follows Kara, um, uh, and as she asks where he's uh, where she, he's been taken, um, she uh, she leads him to uh, Slave One, uh, which is uh, which is on the planet um, where they are, um, and that is where uh, they are greeted by Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. And I have to say that Boba Fett looks amazing. It even looks like his armor has had a bit of a uh, bit of a touch-up. Looks brighter, um, as does the uh, Slave One as well. Uh, the painting, the paint on it um, is—I uh, don't know if it's just me, but it looks li- it more uh, red and green. I don't know if it was red or green, red and green before, but I don't think so. Um, but the both the Slave One ship and bobber look like they've had a a new paint job uh, because their the, the paint on their armor looks uh, a lot more brighter than usual 
or more brighter than it was the last time we saw it um, in the last episode. Um, but and then uh, Mayfield's kind of relieved at first because uh, uh, as soon as he saw Boba Fett, he thought he was someone else, uh, aka Mando, um, and uh, that's when. Uh, Dinjarin walks down the uh, the gantry uh, of uh, Slave One, and uh, then Mayfield recognizes him, and he thinks, "Oh, something's uh, something's gone wrong here. I'm in uh, some trouble." Um, but um, um, then Mayfield asks Dinjarin uh, if he's come to to kill him, but uh, Kara replies that. Uh, he need uh, that he what he needs to know uh, is that she bent the rules for him to bring him along for a good reason um, because they need Mayfield uh, because he's an ex Imperial officer um, to to come with them on a on a job um, and because he was an ex Imperial officer he's the only one who can help them. Uh, so Mayfield uh, says that well that was a long time ago, uh, but Dinjarin says um, that uh, it's possible that uh, Mayfield's imperial clearances uh, may still be valid, and um, and then uh, while on the slave one um, and while they're travelling uh, to. Um, the planet uh, Morak, uh, where there is a uh, an imperial presence there. Um, uh, Kara um, convinces uh, um, Mayfield that uh, this mission is um, the only way that uh, he's basically going to be able to uh, redeem himself. Um, uh, and that is when he decides to accompany them and uh, help them retrieve the coordinates from uh, the computer on uh, on Morak uh, that will lead them to where Moff Gideon is, uh, who's holding Grogu. Uh, but Mayfield thinks that's too difficult um, and uh, says that he'd he'd rather go back to the the scrapyard where they they found him uh, but then Kara explains that uh, the Imperials have the kid uh, meaning Grogu um, and uh, Mayfield asks uh, if she meant, means uh, the little guy the little green guy and Kara confirms this is uh, the case um, and Mayfield asks uh, if they will let him go uh, if he works with them um, Car uh, says that uh, this is not how it works, and um, that he uh, he won't get a better deal um, than to to help them. And um, but uh, Mayfield is a bit reluctant at first, but uh, he agrees. Uh, but he says that um, he can't get the coordinates to Moff Gideon uh, unless he has access to. An imperial uh, terminal. Um, so uh, this is going to be the only way. The only way to get 
to find the coordinates to Moff Gideon would be to get inside one of the well, get inside an Imperial facility uh, get access through the computer there um, via a, a terminal um, and that Mayfield thinks that there is one on the planet Morak um, Dinjarin believes Morak is empty but Mayfield uh, tells him that the planet is home to a secret Imperial mining hub um, and um, but Mayfield promises to uh, to help them get the coordinates um, if they uh, they're able to get him to Morak Jinjaran tells Fett uh, Boba Fett uh, that they need to travel to Morak um, and then they go straight to Morak without further delay um, then later um, Boba meets with uh, the rest of the group and explains that um, he's done an initial scan of uh, Morak uh, and he has found a structure uh, which Mayfield uh, identifies uh, is the, the refinery um, and then uh, Fennec Shan asks uh, what they are finding in there um, and Boba says that he thinks they are refining uh, Redonium uh, which he describes as a highly volatile and explosive um, fuel or a compound um, and, and while Mayfield reflects on what their odds are of success Boba says that the Imperials have um, some anti-aircraft cannons um, and Fennec Shan adds that the Imperials have a platoon of security forces protecting the mine um, and uh, Boba says that they will have to be uh, um, as um, undercover as, com as possible um, so they're going to have to find a way into the facility into the refinery uh, without being caught um, and then the slave one uh, uh, arrives uh, at Morak uh, it lands on the surface um, and then uh, the group uh, sight a passing uh, Imperial juggernaut rolling through a dirt road uh, Mayfield says that uh, he's not going to need long inside and he tells them that once he gets the coordinates they will need to get him uh, out of the base as soon as possible uh, Boba tells Mayfield um, to get to the roof so that uh, he can uh, do an aerial extraction um, and then Kara says that Mayfield and her will swap out the drivers in the tunnel uh, once they pass through then Mayfield uh, says that he will not work that will not work because the remnant bases are uh, set up and run by ex-imperial uh, security bureau um, and if they get scanned and their genetic signature shows up on any new public register they will be detected and targeted for elimination uh, Sakara says that Mayfield knows a lot about the Imperial Remnants um, and she wonders uh, why um, and suspecting that Kara does not trust him Mayfield tells her um, to just be honest with him um, 
And then Din Djarin says that they don't have time to argue and proposes that um, uh, Fennec Shan goes. Then Fennec Shan declines, uh, says that she's wanted by the ISB and uh, that her appearance will trip an alarm also. Uh, Din Djarin also asks maybe Boba could do it, but he says the Imperials will recognise his face. Um, and then Mayfield proposes that he go alone, but Kara does not trust him still. Um, and uh, she believes that uh, Mayfield will betray him uh, if he's on his own. Um, and then uh, Kara decides to, to take the deal um, and uh, to take Mayfield back. Um, meanwhile, uh, Dinjaran. Uh, scans the juggernaut with his helmet and observes that it has two pilots um, then Din Djarin, uh decides that he will go with Mayfield and um, and that uh, but they all agree that it will be hard to explain uh, that he's wearing Mandalorian armour um, to, the, to the Imperial Guards so Mayfield tells Din Djarin, um, to take off his helmet or else he will go alone and um, then they won't be able to find uh, Grogu um, and so Din Djarin responds that he's not going alone and reiterates that he's going with him and uh, but he won't be showing his face uh, so on the road uh, the first pilot of the juggernaut uh, tells uh, the Morat refinery that they're entering uh, the tunnel um, and then uh, once they're in the tunnel uh, Mayfield and uh, Din Djarin, um, uh enter uh, are able to change into the guard's uniform after Kara uh, enters the cockpit uh, from above and uh, knocks two guards um heads into one another knocks them out um, so that Mayfield and Din Djarin can turn, change into their uniforms um, and um, Mayfield doesn't wear uh, the helmet of uh, on the guards uh, but Din Djarin, um does take off his Mandalorian armour and he uh, changes into the uh, one of the guards uniforms um, and Kara quips that uh, uh, she wishes uh, she could say that the Imperial look good, looks good on him, but uh, she'd be lying. Then Dinjaran uh, asks Kara uh, to take out the, the rooftop turrets um, while uh, he and Mayfield are proceeding. Um, and uh, uh, Kara promises to do so. And she says that she will look after his Mandalorian armor while he's uh, while he's on the mission. Uh, so both uh, Mayfield and Dinjarin climb aboard the Juggernaut, um, and uh, then they uh, proceed uh, on the mission along the road. Uh, but uh, and he, Mayfield does wear uh, the, one of the Imperial helmets for a short time but he takes it off because he says he can't see properly um, 
and then he says that he wonders how Dinjarin's people uh, see inside their helmets um, and uh, um, but Dinjarin is stoic uh, he doesn't choose not to talk um, and uh, that's when you see there's a bit of an interaction between Mayfield and Dinjarin about uh, uh, his choice to wear a helmet um, and that the, there's a difference between uh, wearing a helmet and not showing your face um, uh, but uh, and while they're on their way in the juggernaut uh, Fennec Shan and uh, um, Kara are watching their uh, progression um, um, but as they carry on down the road they pass several wrecked juggernauts so it's apparent that something uh, has been going on that this is a uh, um, this is something that's happened previously these juggernauts have been going down this road but uh, uh, definitely looks like there's been some uh, either accidents or some kind of um, attacks um, um, and um, along the way uh, they, they go through uh, some villages where there are some uh, children and some local people uh, who gaze at the vehicle the juggernaut um, and uh, Mayfield remarks that the locals um, see both the Empire and the New Republic uh, as the same as just as invaders and um, Mayfield also uh, says that um, somewhere someone somewhere uh, is ruling the galaxy um, before asking whether those people who died in the wars fought by the Mandalorians had a choice and he asks how the Mandalorians are different from the Empire reasoning that uh, people born and raised on uh, Mandalore or Alderaan believe in different things um, and he says that neither one of them uh, exists anymore so it's all uh, everything is open to perspective and interpretation depending on where you come from um, but uh, Dinjarin doesn't engage in any kind of communication um, uh, Mayfield just says that he's a realist and he's a survivor just like Dinjarin but then Dinjarin says that they're nothing alike uh, but Mayfield comes back at him by saying that uh, the rules start to change when he gets desperate um, saying that uh, the uh, the rule about not him not showing his face um, he asking whether that is because he cannot take off his Mandalorian helmet or because he cannot show his face uh, but Dinjarin doesn't uh, go into any detail um, but uh, Mayfield says that uh, that everyone is the same because they have lines that they don't cross until things get messy until uh, they they have to um, and then Mayfield says that as far as he's concerned as long as people can make it through their day and sleep at night then that's fine then the juggernaut um, is attacked um, uh, um, by uh, 
some uh, um, alien uh, um, pirates um, uh, not long after uh, Dinjarin and Mayfield see uh, a juggernaut that was a um, uh, just in front of them on the on the road uh, being attacked um, blowing up into a fireball and being destroyed um, but then as they pass uh, the juggernaut um, um, they're boarded by these pirates um, and Dinjarin has to go on the roof of the juggernaut to try and drive them away um, and also uh, exchange fire with the pirates to uh, allow them to carry on uh, on their route and to carry out the mission to get to the the imperial refinery um, and uh, it's pretty uh, hazardous um, uh, encounter because the the pirates uh, are um, relentless and trying to want to destroy the uh, Redinium uh, on board the uh, the juggernaut uh, that uh, they are transporting to the refinery. Uh, so Dinjarin has to uh, fight his way uh, through them, try to uh, evade them as much as he can. Uh, at one point, he tells Mayfield to pick up the pace, uh, but uh, it looked like looks like at one point that. Um, uh, Dijarin is going to be uh, um, defeated because there's too many of the pirates. But then um, two uh, Imperial st- uh, TIE fighters start uh, shooting. They come out of uh, out of the sky and they start shooting at the um, at the pirates. Um, and uh, they're able to uh, uh, destroy them um, or enough of them. Uh, to allow the juggernaut to cross this bridge and uh, find its way into the imperial refinery uh, and after which uh, some stormtroopers come out and they they uh, effectively um, drive the, the pirates away from the refinery um, um, then when they arrive at the refinery Dinjarin and uh, Mayfield um, are greeted uh, uh, as, as if they were heroes uh, saluted by uh, stormtroopers of, uh, of all different uh, armour uh, colours um, and uh, after they uh, exit the juggernaut Mayfield tells Dinjarin uh, that uh, there should be a, uh, a network terminal in the officer's mess which is very close to where they uh, they pulled into the refinery, but as soon as Mayfield walks into the officer's mess, um, he he walks straight back out uh, uh, because he believes that there uh, that an officer in there called uh, Valen Hess uh, will recognise him uh, because he used to uh, work under him. Um. um but then Dinjarin insists that they we have to proceed. That's the only way to be able to get back Grogu. Um, but uh, Mayfield says that uh, he can't because he'll be uh, he'll be recognised. Um, 
but then Dinjarin tells him to give him the data stick and that he'll do it himself. Uh, Mayfield explains that in order to access the network, the terminal has to scan his face. Um, but Dinjarin says, give me the data stick, I'll do it. So Dinjarin walks into the officer's mess. He logs into the network terminal, uh, but however, the, uh, the facial recognition um, scanner doesn't um, observe uh, a face because Dinjarin's still wearing the, um, the helmet uh, that he was wearing uh, of the, the officer uh, uh, that he had uh, previously uh, taken. Um, the uh, the um, armor of, um, and so it is at that point when Dinjarin feels that he has no other recourse but to take off his helmet uh, and allow the terminal to scan his face, and that's exactly what he does. And that's what I was saying about uh, uh, how Dinjarin does something in this episode that he hasn't done that often in the series, uh, because uh, he really didn't take off his helmet until um, episode eight of last season, um, when he was forced to to do so when he thought he was going to die, um, because uh, the only uh, thing in the um, the cantina where he was when he was uh, badly wounded uh, was uh, IG um, 11 um, so uh, yeah he uh, he finds that he can uh, he has to do this um, and he's successful because by taking off his helmet the facial recognition scans his face and um, allows him to access the terminal and uh, Dinjarin's able to uh, use the interface to find uh, the information about uh, uh, Moff Gideon's uh, light cruiser Um, but then um, uh, the uh, then Valin Hess um, comes over to uh, Dinjarin and demands to know uh, Dinjarin's designation uh, but Dinjarin just responds that he's a transport co-pilot uh, but the officer demands to know his TK number uh, which is a, a number that all of the stormtroopers have they all have uh, a designation rather than a, and a name um, uh, but before Dinjarin can make up a number uh, Mayfield walks in claims that Dinjarin is his commanding officer, uh, TK-593. And then Mayfield claims that um, he's an Imperial uh, Combat Assault uh, Transport Lieutenant, TK-111. Um, and then and that uh, Dinjarin uh, sustained um, uh, ear damage uh, when his vessel lost pressure at uh, Tanab. Um... But then uh, Hess asks if his name, uh, asks what his name is, mockingly, uh, as if he uh, truly believes that uh, Din Djarin has a hearing loss. But then Mayfield claims that uh, they call him Brown Eyes. 
before he tries to uh, get Dinjarin out of the mess uh, so they can uh, leave the refinery. Uh, but uh, um, Valin Hess uh, says that he hasn't dismissed them yet. Um, and uh, then he says that... Uh, that uh, this is uh, that their success in getting back to the refinery in one piece, whereas uh, some others uh, have uh, had failed in the process, is a cause for celebration, and he invites them to have a drink with him. Um, and then above, we see above the refinery, Kara June and Fennec Shan uh, have taken a position uh, to take out the anti-air cannons. Uh, in order to allow Baba to uh, conduct uh, an aerial um, extraction so that he can retrieve um, Dinjarin and uh, Mayfield once they've completed their mission to find the location of uh, of uh, Moff Gideon's cruiser. Um, and then, uh, while uh, Mayfield and... Uh, Dinjarin are having a drink with um, uh, Valen Hess. Um, uh, it's pretty weird. It was pretty weird actually seeing Dinjarin just sitting there with his helmet off, um, and he seemed a bit um, unnerved. Actually, he didn't really talk that often. Um, maybe he was just staying in the character of. Uh, someone who's supposed to have a hearing loss but um yeah it was it was it was weird just seeing um Dinjarin uh there and uh, I'm sure it was uh to the relief of um of uh, uh the actor who plays um uh, Dinjarin because uh um it's obvious uh, from a lot of uh, what has been reported that uh, he's uh, been uneasy about wearing um, uneasy about wearing the the helmet, uh, whereas uh, you know other um, other Mandalorians have been um, been able to play. Other people who've played Mandalorians on the show have been able to take off their helmets. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, I, I mean, you, you can't really uh, take put too much credence into um, into into rumors, but there was a rumor uh, a few months ago that uh, um, there was some tension uh, that he wasn't taking off his uh, his helmet, um, and that. Uh, Pedro Pascal, uh, the actor who plays Dinjarin, um, uh, had walked off the set, and there was uh, um, uh, some confusion whether he would return. Uh, but uh, as far as everybody knows, um, Pedro Pascal is still the Mandalorian um, um, as of this episode, and um, we'll have to see what happens after. But yeah, it was, I'm sure it was. Um, a big relief for Pedro to take off his uh, Mandalorian uh, armor, his helmet, and to to just be be seen. And perhaps in the future, 
we'll see more of Pedro Pascal um, without his uh, his helmet on. Um, but um, during the conversation uh, with uh, with Valen Hess, um, as uh, they're uh, talking about uh, what mission they should uh, drink a toast to, uh, Mayfield suggests they drink to a toast of Operation Cinder. Uh, the uh, but uh, Valen Hess. Uh, um, although he compliments Mayfield for knowing his history, um, uh, it seems like he doesn't want to. Seems like it was a, a good, uh, a good mission for him uh, that he remembers fondly. But uh, Mayfield, uh, he recalls that it was a, uh, it was not a great time that a lot of people died. Uh, Hess says, yeah, it was a hard day, uh, but um, he had to make many unpleasant decisions that day. Um, Mayfield just keeps going on. You can tell that Mayfield is annoyed by this because uh, whatever Operation Cinder was, um, he was a part of it uh, on that day. He was was there and he saw um, his division. Uh, lose so many of its people uh, and it was all down to this uh, imperial officer uh, Valen Hess um, back when uh, Mayfield was still part of the Empire Um, and uh, no matter how much Hess claims that uh, whatever happened was a small sacrifice for the greater good for the good of the Empire um, Mayfield disagrees wholeheartedly. Um, um, it says it wasn't th- it wasn't good for those who perished as well as uh, uh, their families. Um, he points out that not only did uh, Imperial officers die, but civilians died defending their homes, fighting for freedom. Um, and then. Hess just says that uh, that his side uh, and he and Mayfield they outlasted um, and uh, remarks that the new republic is in complete disarray while the empire is growing stronger and that uh, no matter what people say when they say they want freedom what they really want is order Um, but uh, everything that Hess is saying is just eating Mayfield up uh, inside and uh, he can't take it any longer and then he just decides to take out his blaster and shoot um, Hess in the chest uh, of course then this causes uh, some um, some chaos around them uh, because uh, there was other Imperial troops in that the mess when he did this and then they start shooting back at him because they see what he's done this act of seemingly an act of mutiny um uh then mayfield uh starts to proceed to shoot down uh all of the uh, imperial officers in the mess hall 
uh, before he and Dinjarin uh, try to make their escape out the window. Um, and uh, while they're uh, trying to uh, get out of the mess, uh, Mayfield says to Dinjarin, put on your helmet, uh, the Imperial helmet that he was previously wearing, and says that uh, we won't mention this to anybody that you took off your helmet. Um, then they they get outside of the uh, the window. Uh, they shoot their way through stormtroopers uh, up to the roof, um, where uh, Slave One uh, flies in uh, and hovers uh, just above the the the, uh, the roof of the building, enough for Dinjar and, and Mayfield to to jump on board. Uh, allowing them to make their uh, escape and as they fly away uh, um, uh, Mayfield uh, fires a uh, cycler rifle uh, at uh, one of the parked uh, juggernaut um, juggernauts on the, the roof of the refinery uh, igniting the uh, rhodonium and uh, causing a massive explosion that uh, completely takes out the uh, the refinery, um, and uh, both Kara and Fennec Shan are watching this and uh, become Im- and are impressed, uh, visibly impressed by Mayfield's uh, marksmanship. Um, and then Mayfield tells Dinjarin that uh, he did it because uh, we all have to sleep at night. Then two TIE fighters uh, come out of the smoke of the explosion from the refinery and they start to pursue Slave One, uh, which um, uh, prompts Baba Fett to uh, take evasive action and then release a seismic charge, uh, which destroys the two TIE fighters, um, uh, which were uh, in pursuit of the Slave One. And the seismic charge is... uh, the same kind of uh, weapon that um, Baba's father, uh, Jango Fett, used uh, in the scene um, in uh, Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Um, that movie, uh, when they were being pursued by Obi-Wan Kenobi in his Jedi Starfighter, uh, and they were in Slave One, uh, and they were um, approaching the planet of uh, Geonosis, uh, so it was great, great callback to uh, Attack of the Clones there. Great to see that. Um, um, and then uh, right at the end of the episode, towards the end of the episode, uh, we see uh, all the team, Mayfield, Kara, uh, Fennec Shan, uh, and Din Djarin, um now in his man- back in his Mandalorian um, armour reunited uh, at a forest clearing uh, and that's uh, where Mayfield thinks that he's going back to the scrapyard where uh, he was serving his uh, his sentence and um, he believes that Carl is just going to put the, the handcuffs back on him and take him away um, uh, but uh, it's definitely apparent that uh, they'd all gained a newfound respect uh, for Mayfield um, and they make a joke that uh, Kyra makes a joke saying oh it's a shame that Mayfield died in the explosion at the refinery and that he uh, he didn't make it out um, 
Um, and uh, then Mayfair says, are, are you joking? Because if I'm free to leave, I'll, I'll leave. Um, um, and uh, then Kara and Injaran, um say, no, no, you can go. Um, you know, for everything that you've done. Um, and uh, and that uh, he's free to to leave and that uh, no one will say anything of it um, and then Kara um, asks Dinjaran if they manage to get the coordinates to Moff Gideon's uh, um, cruiser um, and then uh, we uh, we see them uh, take off um, uh, seemingly on their way to where Moff Gideon is um and then Kara asks what their next move is. Um, and um, then right at the end of the episode, uh, we uh, we see, we go back to Moff Gideon's cruiser. Uh, and we see uh, one of the comms officers inform Moff Gideon that they've received a, uh, a transmission. And it's a holographic mission called Holographic Transmission from Dinjarin uh, in which he repeats to Moff Gideon what uh, he had said during the, the skirmish on Navarro saying to Moff Gideon that you have something I want and you may, you may think you have some idea uh, of what you have in possession of you are in possession of but you do not and soon he will be back with me and he means more to me than you will ever know and that's the end of the episode and um next week's episode the next episode of the mandalorian um the eighth episode of the second season should be chapter 16 is going to be the season finale of season two and uh i think this is a great way to to set that up um to say that uh dinjarin um He's on his way. He's gonna. He's gonna find Moff Gideon, and he's gonna get Grogu back. But the question is, will he? And what will be waiting for him uh, when he does? Um, and as I was saying, this is kind of like a, a side mission to the overall mission of getting back Grogu. But in reality, it was a necessity because um, this is the only way for the. Baba and uh, and Dinjarin and Fennec Chan and Kara to track down Moff Gideon uh, by getting the coordinates of his uh, light cruiser uh, from an Imperial um, facility and the refinery is uh, the only way that they could do that so it was a, a necessary um, mission and uh, that's why uh, I just I hope that people who watch it consider it to be um to be just as necessary as uh the uh the second episode of the season which featured the the frog lady which some people didn't have a good response to because they thought it was just like a filler episode and i hope they don't think that this episode was filler uh because in reality it uh it serves as a um as a a vital uh 
piece of the puzzle in finding uh, Grogu again and getting to Moff Gideon. But who will Grogu be when uh, Din Djarin, um finds him again? Uh, will he have... Um, uh, will he be uh, even more uh, uh, apparently used tapping into the dark side of the Force? Uh, what has Moff Gideon been doing with Dinjar with um, Grogu, and what is Dinjarin going to do when he finds out what has happened when he catches up with them? So, yeah, there's there's lots of questions uh, uh, about what's going to happen in the next episode. Uh, this episode was great. It was great to see Bill Burr back again uh, as Mayfield. Uh, I think he's a great character, um, and. Uh, yeah, brilliant. I think it was, it's great to see uh, these Imperial remnants um, hanging around. So it's, uh, it makes it apparent that the Empire didn't just go away um, at the end of the Return of the Jedi film, uh, in which the Mandalorian is a, a bridge between two points, really. It's a, a bridge between um, the events of uh, the film The Return of the Jedi and... The events of um, the the Force Awakens Star Wars film. So this is really bridging uh, the gap there and really uh, fleshing out the the time period uh, in between the 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 ending of the Empire and the rise of the the First Order. Um, so yeah, it's uh, great seeing um, what has been happening. In fact, and it seems so natural as well that the air uh, that the the empire is still there the the, the remnants of it um but uh yeah yeah another great episode um and it was great to see uh pedro pascal's face uh for the first time uh in uh, a while um and um yeah maybe we'll see more of it uh next season um maybe uh this season uh, will be a turning point for the character that will see him uh, change his ways and change the way that he perceives uh, how a Mandalorian uh, has to act um, and uh, perhaps he'll start to question whether he really needs to wear the helmet that he wears constantly uh, as much as he does um, or maybe he'll uh, uh seek um guidance of Boba uh who's constantly taking off his helmet um maybe he'll use him as an example of how you can still be a Mandalorian um uh but take off your helmet every now and again um especially when uh the need arises uh as Din Djarin definitely feels um that it it has and it does when it comes to rescuing uh his uh his child effectively uh and that is uh, grogu so yeah great episode um and uh can't wait for next week i think it's just one of those episodes uh just whets the appetite for the season finale what we're gonna find there what we're gonna see and uh what's gonna happen and whether Dinjarin and Grogu will be reunited, and uh, which I think is a, def- a definite, uh, a definite thing that's going to happen. 
they're definitely going to be reunited but what is Grogu going to be like um, when Din Djarin, uh sees him again and who is he become perhaps and uh, um, the question is now that he's tapping back into the force um, has uh, has he opened up a uh, or has Moff Gideon opened up a Pandora's box uh, um, that will see the release of uh, Baby Yoda's uh, or Grogu's potential um, as a uh, as a strong force sensitive uh, Jedi um, yeah Padawan uh, as he was when he was um, rescued from the Jedi Temple um, but who we still don't know who rescued him then uh, perhaps we'll find out in the next episode uh, uh, there's lots to lots to think about lots to look forward to and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great finale um, but this episode was brilliant um, uh, The Believer and um, yeah um, bringing on the season finale um, but yeah I just want to say uh, thank you for listening I uh, hope you like what you heard and uh, I'll talk to you again soon and uh, may the force be with you If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, a book form, uh, you can go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published. Um, they're all books of poetry, um, uh, books of stories, uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences. Um, and there'll be more to come. And uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to... Uh, to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon